Hi, so again, Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 1 until verse 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Oh, good evening once again. Will you uh, join with me as we come before God in prayer um, and keep your Bibles open um, because we'll be using them. Uh, dear God and Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and we um, ask that you would be working uh, foremost in, in our hearts, that you would be uh, working to see us uh, be changed and to be changing. Um, Father, I pray for my words, that they would be uh, truthful and from your word. I pray that as we um, hear the word today, that we would become doers also. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first week of January is already done for us, uh, one week down. And so it's probably still safe to talk about our New Year's resolutions, isn't it? Um, for some, like me, it's probably just a bit of a joke. I don't really go with the New Year's resolution much anymore because I'm not very good at them. Um, it's just a long list of failures. Uh, for some of us, if you're anything like my wife, Sarah, uh, the New Year's resolution is actually the joke. Uh, a couple of years ago, she was really su successful in keeping her New Year's resolution, and uh, her New Year's resolution was that she wasn't going to eat a chocolate bar for the entire year. Do you see the loophole? Chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, you name it. So long as it wasn't a chocolate bar, this is a fair game. Well, there's a gym who has caused quite a bit of a stir this year. Uh, Equinox Gym, I mean, it sounds trendy, doesn't it? It is trendy. Uh, and it, on the 1st of January this year, put out this social media post uh, that simply said, uh, we aren't accepting new members today. It's not you, it's January. Seems crazy, doesn't it? And so our keyboard warriors, they got to work. Uh, how dare you tell us when we can't and can join a gym? Aren't you stupid? Like, this is when you're going to make the most money of people who pay for the gym membership but never go. Uh, but 
what they did was, this is a brilliant marketing strategy, right? They got so many hits uh, and such was the outrage that here I am tonight preaching to you about Equinox Gym, which none of us will probably ever go to. But then they followed up with this post and they said, January is a fantasy delivered to your door in a pastel coloured box. It talks about change. It needs a new outfit before it can begin. Short, cutting, giving up just a few weeks later. Your life doesn't start at the beginning of the year, and it's not what part of being Equinox is about. We are not in moderation. We want it all, every day. And like fundamentally, like New Year's resolutions, they're not a joke. When, when we make a, a resolution um, at New Year's, it's because we've identified that we have a need to change something about our life. Uh, and it's not just something that can be done easily, because like we're going to take a whole year. Uh, it's something where we identify this need and like we're emotionally invested in it. So it might be that you're sitting in front of uh, Ninja Warrior and 2023, I'm going to be the next uh, Ninja Warrior. And for some of us, uh, that might be a bit more work than others. Uh, why is everyone looking at me? But like that emotional response to wanting to become this ninja warrior, like it's no good if that's all there it is. You've got to get up off the couch. And not just once, but you've got to get up off the couch every single day for 2023. And in a year's time, you'll be better for it. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy for me, and for most of us, it's a fantasy. Because actually, what we want, we don't want to just change for a year. We want this change to be something that is permanent. Because what we look at when we look for our New Year's resolutions are things like security, whether it be financial or in our relationships. We want health. Those are the things that we want to see change. Today, as we look at uh, John the Baptist as he brings this message of repentance, he brings a message of repentance that brings change, not at the end of 2023, not for 2023, but the message of repentance brings change today. The message of repentance brings change for the whole of 2023. The message of repentance brings change Forever. And so today, as we look at it, it's going to be hard, just like any New Year's resolution. It's a bit painful. But I really want everyone to think about today, unlike Equinox, which financially, for most of us, out of our league. Repentance is on offer and actually commanded for us all. So tonight, as we uh, look at this, I, it's holidays, but I still am a teacher. And so there's four things that I want you to be thinking about as we go through this. Uh, and the first one is who John is. So four sentences that I'd like you to be able to come up with at the end if you have a think about it. John is, repentance is, repentance is not, and repentance is important because. 
Now, when I talk to my students at school, I always say to them that, like, the answer that I'm looking here for isn't the shortest one that you've got to get you out the door at the end. And the answer that we're looking for is how can you give the most excellent answer? So let's turn um, to Matthew chapter 3 uh, in our Bibles. And first of all, we're going to look at John, who John is. And so we're going to start at verse 2 because it tells us more. Uh, Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of throughout the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make paths straight for him. Now, when we think about what we've learned so far in the book of Matthew, uh, we've seen how Matthew is trying to set us up to have this picture of a king that is unexpected, but has actually been predicted through the prophets. Uh, we saw his lineage, which was filled of sinners and Gentiles, um, born in a, in a manger. And last week, Jono spoke to us about how God brings people to Jesus to glorify him from near and far. But John's role here is different. 30 years later, um, Jesus has been exiled in Egypt. And John's purpose is exactly what it says there in verse 3, to prepare the way for the Lord, make straight what the paths for him. I, now, I hate to like, sort of bring this up again in 2023, uh, we've all probably hoping that it would stay back in 2022, but it's something that's impacted all of us over the last couple of years. Um, we've been had to go out of our way for it. Um, and, of course, I'm talking about the cycling that was here last year. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I was, like, fascinated with Wollongong. Wollongong in 2022 was, like, did you know that we were the, we are the cycling city of Australia? Who knew? I didn't know. I've been here for 15 years. Uh, but such was the preparation in making uh, that track for the cyclists so nice that in front of Mount Kembla Public School, where we live, there is a speed hump to protect the kids. Friday, before the big race, council came demolished the speed hump, laid down a perfectly beautiful road. And then Monday morning, bam, it was straight back up again. I mean, I think there's a few more spots where they could do that. And this is John's role. He's coming before King Jesus to prepare those who will be in his kingdom. Because John says in verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now for the Jews, this isn't something, this idea of repenting and the kingdom um, of heaven isn't something that they're unfamiliar with. It might be a little bit foreign to us, uh, but since Adam and Eve have been ejected from the garden of Eden, God has time and time again been calling his people to repentance. Uh, Time and time again has God been prophesying of this kingdom that he will re-establish. And so they're waiting for it. They know that this is coming. But 
But what exactly is repentance? You see, for the Jews, they had this really uh, big history of repentance. You know, like you've only got to think of one book, the book of Judges, where we just see this cyclic motion, don't we? God's people reject him and then they repent. God's people reject him and then they repent. And this is something that they've been waiting for. 400 years it's been since the last prophet has spoken to them. And they're waiting for this kingdom to arrive. But they think that this kingdom is going to be in Jerusalem. It's going to be brick and mortar. They think this kingdom is um, going to be here on earth. But as we read through the entirety of God's plan for redemption, we see that this kingdom isn't a kingdom that moth and rust consumes. But this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that lasts forever. So one of the things I think that we need to look at here is in verse 2, where it says, and that word repent. And this isn't an error in translation at all whatsoever. But that word repent there, like if we read it in the English language, we see that word repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that to us would, like, seems like a one-time event, doesn't it? Like you repent and the kingdom for the kingdom of um, heaven is at hand. The problem is that in English, our words aren't as efficient as what they are in Greek. Uh, in the Greek, the word here, repent, is, actually has tied to it not just the verb, but also a time. And it says that this time frame should be continuous. So it's not like repent once. It's like be repenting. Repent now and continue repenting. And that word repent, as I alluded to before, is to turn from our sins, to turn from our sinful nature and turn unto God. We had a really triumphant week in the Lefley household this week. Uh, our first graduate um, from nappies, uh, there was chocolate, there was dancing. But one of the things that we teach as we toilet train is we teach wash your hands. When you go to the toilet, we'll wash your hands. But that command, and it is a command, uh, to wash your hands when you go to the toilet doesn't mean just this one instance, does it? Uh, it means when you go to the toilet, every time you go to the toilet, wash your hands. Adults, that applies to us too. Please wash your hands when you go to the toilet. And that's the essence that we need to approach repentance, not just as this, oh, I repented, but that I am repenting. And it's something that we're continuously doing. And we see here in uh, verse 6, people are, the, the people in their response are confessing their sins. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick look at repentance, because for us, it's not as ingrained in our culture as what it is for the Jews. And there's three bits that I'm going to look at today, and it's not the entirety of repentance. Um, there's lots more to it, but three things which I think are, are really important for us. And first of all, it's knowing our sinfulness. Knowing our sinfulness. Second is the emotional response to our sinfulness. 
And third, the action of turning from our sinfulness unto God. Last week, John O shared with us that knowing about Jesus isn't the same thing as knowing Jesus. And in the same way, knowing about our sinfulness, it's not the same thing as knowing our sinfulness. How's that work? When God created us, uh, Adam and Eve, you and I, he created us in his image for the purpose to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That was our purpose. In the Garden of Eden, God had provided Adam and Eve all of those things that we crave from our New Year's resolutions. He provided them security. He provided them safety. And he provided them perfect relationship with the one who created him. But Adam and Eve, despite having all the goodness of God, not just in the physical things that they had, he had provided for them, but for the relationship with the creator of the world, the God of the universe, uh, they rejected it. They did not glorify God and they did not enjoy him. And this is what's left. We're left with the sinfulness that we see in, in this world. Rhiannon alluded earlier to our sinful nature. And you see, the problem is that for us, where we can sort of like try and shift the blame, but what is true of Adam and Eve is true of us as well. We do not go about our lives all the time to bring glory to the one who created us. And we don't enjoy him forever. Instead, we sin. And so sinfulness is different to just sinning or as sin. Like, I don't know if in your experience of sharing the gospel with people, like, it's not hard to convince people that they sin. It's really not. I've never had anyone who've, like, debated me on that. It's like, oh, yeah, I lie or I cheat. Uh, I'm nasty. What is really hard is for people to acknowledge that their whole entire being is sinful. Our greatest need for 2023 uh, isn't to be the next Ninja Warrior. Our greatest need for 2023 is for a restoration of that relationship with our Creator so that we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And as we start to contemplate like the gravity of our sin, that here is the God of the universe who has given us such great things and provided it in abundance. That should stir a, an emotional response in us. And what more? That my sin meant that God, in his plan for redemption, would create me knowing that it would cost his one and only son to die on the cross for me. I spoke to you earlier about how I'm not going to trade my son for anyone. But here is God saying, you who 
did not glorify my name, you who did not enjoy me forever, I'm going to send my son to die for you. And I'm going to do that knowing, I'm going to create you knowing that you're going to do that. Like the emotions should be flowing, guys. There should be an emotional response. If we turn to 2 Corinthians 7.10, um, if you've got your Bibles, um, you can do that now. Paul writes about this, that godly sorrow brings repentance, that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And so you see, this, this sorrow that we have over the sinfulness of our own heart that has separated us from God, that needs to be the thing that is driving our emotions. But we've got to take action. We can't just sit on the couch and watch from the sidelines. We've got to take action. And here is John calling us to action. He's saying, prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts so that you are ready for the king who is to come. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is at hand. And so what is the response here that we see in Matthew from the people? Well, the first group of people, uh, they listen, don't they? In verse 6, they confess their sins and then they're baptised by him in the Jordan River. The people there recognised that they needed repentance and then they needed it right now. They weren't waiting for that change of clothes. They weren't waiting for 2023 to end. They recognised that they needed repentance now and so they repented. They confessed their sins and they were baptised. But I think like this is one of the things about this whole scenario, right? Like if we're looking down on and we're seeing John preaching to all these people, we're going to see no difference as humans between those people here who are confessing their sins and being baptised and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Like they're coming to John to be baptised. But he sees a difference because just like Jesus and God who declare that they care about what is in our heart, John sees that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, their hearts aren't hearts of repentance. And let's have a look at what he says. Verse 7. But he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think to you, you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. You brood of vipers. It's a pretty big insult, isn't it? And not just something you're going to throw around at the barbecue. Uh, 
But he then goes and backs that up with saying, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now, this is a little bit more subtle. Um, so in the first place, John is saying that you guys, spawn of Satan, children of the snake. And the second part, he's saying, who is warning you of the wrath to come? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, whose job is it to warn of the wrath to come? It's John. John himself. And he's saying, I'm not here for you. And I don't know if for you, um, the first time I read this as I came to preparing it, the very first thing I thought was, I thought this was Jesus. Wasn't it Jesus who said, repent for the kingdom of God is near? Isn't it Jesus who says, you brood of vipers? And it is. You see, the message that John brings as a prophet of God is one from God. God cares about what is in our hearts and he wants to see us turning from our sin and turning unto Christ. And when we turn unto Christ, we will see a great change in our lives. John here says to them, you're not bearing fruit. Where is the fruit of your repentance? You see, if we're turning away from our sinfulness and we're turning unto Christ, all of the sins that we do, well, if we're turning away from them, we must do the opposite, mustn't we? And we've established that as people, we're, we're sinful. That's who we are as beings. And so when we change from that, we must see a change in our lives. The Bible is so clear on this. That our salvation is not based on a one-time event in terms of that's what we hold on to. Our salvation is based on the fact that we see the Holy Spirit who has changed our heart, turning us to God, seeing that Christ's sacrifice on the cross is complete. And so now we follow in his laws. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and with, its pla- and with it passions and desires. Do you notice there that that word fruit, it's not a plural? This isn't something that we can pick and choose from. We can't go, well, yeah, I, I see myself more as the, as the fruit of kindness. That's not what it says. The fruit here is singular. All of these things make up the fruit. And really, this is the thing that the um, Pharisees get completely wrong is that in all of their laws of how far they can walk on the Sabbath, all of these things that they needed to do, all they were concerned about was stopping from sinning. 
They weren't repenting. You see, stopping sinning isn't the same thing as turning from your sin and turning unto Christ. And that's here is what John calls us to do. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to restore the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will be filled with its citizens. And this is what the citizens of the kingdom of God will look like. And so for you here tonight, is this what you look like? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit that you can look to and say, yes, I have repented, I continue to repent, and I am seeing the fruit in my life? Because unfortunately, guys, as exciting as the kingdom of God is, you should be excited. The kingdom of God is exciting because everything that we saw in the Garden of Eden to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, that is on offer for those who repent and continue to repent until the day when we're restored into heaven and we're made whole. But just as the fruit of the Spirit is for those who repent, what's the alternative? What is the alternative to the fruit of the Spirit, the citizens of God, of the kingdom of God? This is what they will look like? Well, if you're not part of that, it's going to be hell, isn't it? And John picks this up. He picks this up in verse uh, in verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with his Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn a burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. You see, John draws on this uh, agricultural metaphor of the farm who goes and threshes out the grain. And when they threshed out the grain, they would beat it and they'd be left with the grain and the chaff. And then what they would do with the, what they would do, they would pick it up and they'd throw it into the air. The chaff being light would be, blown away, but then the farmer doesn't just leave the grain on the ground to be taken away by the birds, to be destroyed by the weather. The farmer takes the grain and puts it and stores it up and protects it. If you've repented, if you are repenting, this should bring you great comfort that Jesus is going to hold you fast. But just as there's great comfort in the kingdom of God, outside of the kingdom of God, there should be a great discomfort. Because outside of the kingdom of God, we don't get to enjoy God. We don't get to enjoy him forever. And we won't see the fruit of the Spirit. 
in those who are part of that kingdom. So I wonder if you've been uh, thinking about those four things that I uh, asked you to think about before we go. If you check under your seat, there's actually a card which you'll have to fill out before you leave, and I'll be checking that. No, I'm kidding. John, is this herald that is calling people to repentance in preparation for King Jesus? Repentance is this continued turning away from our sinfulness and unto Christ. And as a result, it produces fruit. Repentance is not something um, that is owed to you. What can we claim? We can't claim the death of Christ, his resurrection. All we can claim is that, I don't know, those of you who were here when we were saying Acts, we were the ones there who were crucifying him. And repentance is important because the kingdom of God is at hand. Our hearts need to be ready for King Jesus to return. And he grants life. The message of repentance grants life. And that excites me that this life isn't just something that's going to end in the end of 2023, but is going to continue forever and ever, forever and ever. So I wonder if, for you, uh, repentance is just like January. It's a fantasy delivered to your door in a pastel-coloured box. It talks about change. It needs a new outfit before it can begin. Shortcutting, giving up just a few weeks or months later. Because for some of us, that's what it's been like. We, we recall that one time where we repented. Oh, I've repented. I repented 30 years ago. It's not what John asks us to do. It's what John does in preparation for King Jesus. He says, repent and be repenting. Or is it something that you want all of every day so that you can glorify God and enjoy him forever? Ezekiel 33.10. I chose this passage to close because it's heavy, isn't it? Like we hear about our sinfulness and we do hear that like repentance grants life. Uh, but then we sort of like end on this like really grim note of the destruction that's going to come. But here we see like God like putting the words into the mouths of those people who are, go- who are saying, well, what now? And he says to them in Ezekiel 33.10, Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offences and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign law, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Let me pray. 
Dear God, Heavenly Father, we are confronted and encouraged at the same time that you, uh, in your great mercy, would send John to uh, call us to repent, that you would then follow John with your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and pay the penalty for uh, our sinfulness, for our offence to you, that we might be restored into this relationship with you where we can glorify you and enjoy you forever. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.